You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. I'm second cab off the rank in a new series called Equipped. And Equipped is, is part of our strategy this year to take our church into the community and, and get p- community people to come in and be part of our church, be part of God's kingdom. So the series is called Equipped. And over the next couple of months, we're going to actually look at what we have because we're children of God, what we have, what, what things we have at our disposal. And there's a verse in 2 Timothy that we're going to base this on, and it, it says this, 2 Timothy 3, verse 17, through the word we are put together and shaped for the tasks that God has for us. We're going to look at the shaping this morning, the giftings that lie resident within us to do the tasks that God has for us. Number one being, go into all the world and make disciples. So can I tell you from some casual conversations I've had just lately that I've run into a lot of people who actually don't know what we have when we walk with Jesus, what we have when we become his children, what we have when we get saved. They don't know what we have and, and don't fully understand what is ours because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. See, when God created us, he created us with a plan in mind. Not, not a broad plan, an individual plan, a particular plan, a bespoke plan for each individual. A blueprint, if you would. But because of our brokenness, the Bible calls it our sinfulness, we fall short of that plan, that blueprint. And there's a gap between us and the blueprint, and therefore a gap between us and God, called separation. We're actually separated from God before we say yes to him, before we cross that line of faith, before we get saved. And so when we do, when we do actually say yes to Jesus, we maybe put our hands up at the back of, at, at the end of a service, we pray a prayer, we start walking with him. When we do do that, we realign ourselves with God's original intent for our lives. You see, because of that, we have right standing with God and all he has is ours. Like the father in the prodigal son, when the son came home, he said, all I have is yours and all God has is ours. We're no longer separated. You see, the gospel is a powerful force. Two people think the gospel is a powerful force. That's good. I'll, I'll go for three next time. The apostle, called, the apostle Paul called the gospel the power of God to salvation. And that power is, is surging through us. It, it rolls on through us like a juggernaut and it reclaims areas of our lives so that we don't have to live under shame and guilt and we don't have to live under an, an I'm not enough mindset. Yeah? So this morning, we're talking particularly about gifts, the giftings available to us as New Testament people. There are so many and so many different levels, but we need to know how equipped we are from the perspective of changing our world. These gifts aren't for us to come in here on a Sunday and have a good time and say, oh, you're very talented, oh, you're very gifted. That's not it. We are to take these gifts into our streets, our workplaces, the marketplace, and use them to win the world. Yeah? I think nearly everyone is keen to see our church grow. But there's no, there's no silver bullet. There's no killer app to do that. We're not actually in a time of revival. So what we do is we do church in a healthy way. We ask our friends to come and our church grows because of that. So let's learn a bit of what's at, disp- at our disposal when we attempt to do that. We're going to start out a bit teachy this morning. 
laying out the gifts and how they, how they operate. But then we're going to end up in a time of uh, discovery, activation, commission. We pray for people, impartation. So let's start with where everything starts, with Jesus. We have to understand how Jesus operated when he walked the earth. See, Jesus comes to us as God in the flesh. He always was, always will be the Son of God. But what we have to understand is that when Jesus walked on the earth, he walked entirely from a human perspective. He walked in the full gamut of humanness. Let's look at a verse in Philippians chapter 2. Just a, just a quick verse. It talks about Jesus who being in very nature God, verse 6, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus had to die. He had to die. He had to give up his spirit. He had to die because that would prove he had lived as a man. And he did live as a man. He was always truly and properly God, but when he walked the earth, he was us, same as us, representative of us, fully representative of us. And to do the things he did, he had to use gifts of the Spirit. He had to walk in full connection with the Father and work from the Father's perspective to bring miracles, salvation, healing to people. And he had to do that by using gifts. The same ones, the very same ones, which are available to us. You should be getting excited right about now. So as God come in, come in the flesh, Jesus isn't just our saviour and our Lord. He is always that. But he's also our role model. He's our role model. And my pages have just gone kaput here. So just give me a minute. Yeah. That might not sound earth-shattering to you, but what we need to realise is Jesus scraped all of God off of him when he walked the earth and walked totally in the flesh as we did. So he used spiritual disciplines, spiritual gifts to bring the kingdom. He just demonstrated what closeness with the Father could actually do. And because of his death... The Holy Spirit is sent to us, number one, to as we, as we give our lives to Jesus, Holy Spirit indwells us and causes the character of God to be formed in a process. But we believe there's a second experience. As Pentecostals, we believe there is a second experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is a power experience where, where the Holy Spirit comes on us in a particular way. We receive a prayer language as an essential experience. But let's put it this way. Holy Spirit is in us for us, for transformation, and on us for others, for power. So let's explore these two concepts. Holy Spirit comes into our lives to change us. Right? He gives us the fruit of the Spirit. That's character. And that takes a while. But he comes onto our lives in power so that we can perform the same miracles, carry the same power that Jesus did. Do you get that? And he demonstrated to us a range of gifts that are also available for us to operate and experience. So I'm going to put them up on the screen. 21 gifts mentioned in the Bible on three levels. 
Okay, one of them's actually popped out of its little square up there. Look at that. It's no good. Yeah, so there's th three different levels of gifts. There's gifts of the Holy Spirit at the top. There's motivational graces in the middle. And ascension gifts offices at the bottom. Now, you'll see how these all interact. We're going to race through it quickly. But the bottom, the, the, the gifts at the top, gifts of the Holy Spirit, supernatural gifts, supernatural operation of God, the outflashings of the Holy Spirit as worked through us. Now, to some of you, this just might be old hat. But for others of you, as I found out last week at Collingwood Park, it's uncharted waters. Don't be scared. Don't be timid about this. This is something that God has for you, and it's actually beautiful, wonderful to operate gifts in your life. So let's, let's work from the bottom, Ascension Gift Officers, up. We need to recognise that there are three categories, and they don't overlap, but... They don't overlap up and down, but they overlap sideways sometimes. Let's start with Ephesians 4, verse 7 to 13. Actually, we'll just cut that short a little bit and start at verse 10. It says this. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher, this is Jesus, than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. These are called office gifts. They're given by Jesus and they're not available to everyone. Although everyone might have like a sense of this on their lives, they're not available to everyone. You can't just say, I'm an, I'm an evangelist and put a sign over your door. These gifts hold a special place in the development of the body and they are recognised, identified, acknowledged and appointed by church leadership, commissioned by church leadership, not self-appointed. They hold, people in these roles hold a particular governmental authority. They're very much misunderstood. But let me tell you why we need those gifts in place. When Jesus was with the disciples and they were mending their nets, he said, he said, you will become people who fish for people. Now, that, the word where it says we are to be equipped for works of service, that word equipped is the same word as mending the net. So what Jesus is getting at here is that he has appointed five different types of people to govern and lead, and because of them, there will be a net constructed that no one can get through. That's the idea behind this passage in Ephesians 4. Now, these are particular anointings, particular giftings, but they function like a lens. This is, this is what I mean. Let's have a look at them quickly, and you'll see how they work. This is what the lens looks like. Let's take the pastor. Back to the chart, please, Brooklyn. When the pastor looks through the pastor lens, what does he see? He sees the church. He sees the people. He loves the people. This is the top priority for the pastor. It is the people. It's all about people, families, marriages, relationships, community, and loving one another. Kumbaya, one more time from the top. That's the pastor. That's what he sees. When the teacher looks through the teacher lens, he sees 
what? He sees the scriptures. He sees the Bible. He or she draws attention by their lives to the scriptures. When a teacher tackles a subject, you better know that they're right. They've researched the subject, they've looked up the Greek and the Hebrew, they've checked the commentaries and looked up the concordances. They've researched the people who wrote the concordances to make sure that they never once fell into error. A teacher draws a line in the sand, and that is truth. And as you move away from that line, there are varying degrees of deception. The teacher focuses our attention on the priority of the scripture. The evangelist, when the evangelist looks through the evangelist lens, what does he see? He sees the lost. That's right. 100% to you, Zach. The evangelists are the ones who shift around in their seats in church because they're sitting. Bible said go. Bible didn't say sit. We're going to get out there and reach the lost. Every car that's driving past the church, it's another carload of people going to hell. And here we sit. The evangelist reminds us of the lost. The message of salvation, blood of Christ, repentance. Prophets. When the prophet looks through the prophet lens, they see the spirit realm, the invisible. And everything in the natural relates to the spiritual, and everything in the natural has a meaning. Everything means something. Every color, every song, every animal, every bird, every car number plate is a message from God. Every song on the radio is a, is a word from God. People aren't wearing clothes. They're wearing meaning. The prophet lens turns our attention on the spirit realm, which is actually more real than the physical realm. Be nice to prophets. They've got a lot happening. The apostle. The apostle wakes up every day expecting the blueprint of heaven to manifest on earth. The, the apostle sees the city when he looks through his lens. When he sees things in the city that aren't like the kingdom, he wants transformation to be brought. He wants, he wants the city to be somewhere that God can come and feel at home because it's just like heaven. That's what the apostle wants. Always looking to pull the realities of heaven into earth and confront the earth until it changes. So there's five types of church governmental leadership that are there to remind us of five different priorities and so construct a net that no one gets through. Do we see that? Good. Let's just briefly touch on motivational gifts and then we'll get to the really mystical and spooky stuff. <laughs> motivational gifts, the middle row. There are seven in Romans 12. 1 Corinthians also mentions them and there's some overlap. What I've done is to pull out the ones that overlapped and give you seven that are seven different ones. In, in Romans 12, verse 5, it says, So in Christ we, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have gifts, different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. And so it goes on. All of those gifts are mentioned. So the seven motivational gifts lifted here are actually the key to understanding the forces that motivate our lives, the forces that God created within us to help us serve him more fully. So we need to understand our motivational gift and how our preferred behaviour is due to a driving force or impulse that God fashioned within us. Then in turn, we have to be sensitive to that, the motivational gifts of others 
our friends and colleagues so that we don't sort of end up fighting with them because we're different. And there are, of course, several different combinations of all these. So you could have, you could have in this someone who is a, an ascension gift prophet, who is, has an administration gift and manifests knowledge, wisdom, discerning of spirits, something like that. Now, in those gifts, prophecy, exhortation, they're pretty self, self-explanatory. Administration is a little bit different because people think that administration is like clerical or financial. Actually, administration is, is a different gift to that. The word in the Greek is kybernesis, and it means the helmsman, the helmsman. So the helmsman is in the wheelhouse with the skipper. He knows, he hears where the ship is going, and he hears where the skipper wants the ship to go, and he steers it that way. That's a gift of administration. That's how it works. Okay, so there's, there's, there's different combinations of those gifts as we go down through the list. So, let's come finally to the manifestation gifts. And, and as I said, some of you might never have heard of these, might not think they're possible, might think that these stopped when the last apostle died. If you've, in the evangelical teaching tradition, that might be what you, you've heard. But we believe that they're very much available, operate every day, and that's what Jesus wants. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 to 11. Verse 4 says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Holy Spirit distributes these gifts. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each, the manifestation, each one, that means everyone, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So they're not just available to people born under a star or who live on a mountain. They're available to each one of us, every one of you, everyone, everyone. Put your hand up if gifts are available to you. That's every hand. Every hand should be up. Okay. Gifts are available to every one of us. Right. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing that, that, by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Gifts of the Holy Spirit are... Functional outflashings of the supernatural power of God manifested through us as human beings. That's what they are. If, if we were left to just the fruit of the Spirit to win people, that would be passive. It would take too long. But when we can deliver the supernatural power of God in a moment and bring healing, bring miracles, bring some knowledge that unlocks something for people, then it speeds up the process. You agree? To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, distributed by Holy Spirit, available to everyone, and please, not restricted to church services, particularly not restricted to church services. Use them in the marketplace. Use them in your home. Use them in your neighbourhood. Use them in your workplace. That's part of our mandate from Jesus, to operate these gifts. Even if we're not very good at it, or if it doesn't work from time to time, 
We still, our mandate is to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers and cast out demons. Not that there's many lepers around, but you know what I mean. So let's, let's breeze through these quickly so that you have a basic working knowledge of what they are. And then we're going to invite you, if you feel like you have a gift on your life or you, you, you want a discovery gift or you want an impartation, we're going to invite you for prayer this morning along these lines. Let's see what God will do. Hey, what have we got to lose? Yeah. So Jesus said these signs would follow them that believe. So the first one, a message of knowledge, commonly called a word of knowledge because that's what the King James Bible calls it. This is an impartation of a fact or facts about a particular situation from Holy Spirit that you could not have known about otherwise. It comes as an intruder into your mind and spirit. The message needn't be spoken. It can be used to counsel or it can set in motion a course of action. The gift requires discretion and wisdom in its operation. Time and place are big factors. So a gift of knowledge, a message of wisdom, not a gift of wisdom, a, a, a supernatural revelation from Holy Spirit of a fragment of God's wisdom to execute his will in a given situation, to set a course of action or solve a crisis. It can often be released by being spoken, but it can also be released by being obedient to it without speaking. It's, it, it's sometimes used to help organisations make a shift in a particular direction or correct a fault. That's a message of wisdom, also called a word of wisdom. Number three is the gift of discerning of spirits. I know we're moving quickly, but see what you can take in. The gift of discerning of spirits. Note, not the gift of discernment. It's not, I have the gift of discernment and the lights are too bright. That's not what we're talking about. Or the music's too loud. That's not what we're talking about. The gift of discerning of spirits. It's a supernatural revelation as to the kind of spirit operating at a particular time and also its level of activity. Please understand that this is not limited to determining determining whether something is from God or from the kingdom of darkness. It's more likely to be, is this God or is this human? Or is this from the kingdom of darkness or is this human? Because a fallen human spirit can sometimes manifest in the same way as a demonic. It's like the word of knowledge in the realm of spirits, whether demonic activity is just low-level, a low-level demon, or whether it's a ruling spirit, a principality. This is the discerning of spirits. There's so much misunderstanding about this area, so if you're not sure, please ask. Same with the next one, the gift of prophecy. This is the supernatural utterance inspired by Holy Spirit in which a message is conveyed for the edification, exhortation, and comfort of of believers. This gift is available to every believer, but it needs to be said that one who manifests this gift is not necessarily a prophet. People mistakenly believe that someone who, has, who operates the gift of prophecy is a prophet. The gift of prophecy is available to every one of us. The Apostle Paul said, I would that you all prophesy. So it's available to, to everyone. Let me say this is a gift most given to misuse. We can, you can sometimes see, and I've been in a church where it was misused and it, it wasn't a whole lot of fun, let me tell you, where people corner other people and say, I have a word for you. Pastor Tim calls those car park prophecies and we don't do that here. Okay? Prophecy by the scriptures needs to be judged. So if ever that happens, 
bring in a third party to sit and confirm or maybe halt the process. When you allow yourself to be put in a one-on-one situation, you take yourself out of the protection of Scripture, which recommends that it should be judged, and you leave yourself open to manipulation. So be careful. Let's do the gift of tongues and interpretation at the same time. I want to make this absolutely clear. The gift of tongues is not the same as the prayer language that you receive when you are baptised in the Holy Spirit. When you're baptised in the Holy Spirit, you speak in a language you haven't learned. But this is a more particular thing. And the best way I can think to describe it is to tell you how it was first described to me, how, how, it, was first, uh, how it first worked in a situation that I, that I heard about. Um, back in the, the 1970s in a church in Brisbane, uh, worship was finishing and a man stood up and he spoke in a, in a different language. And then another man stood up and he spoke in English and interpreted what the man who spoke in the other language said. Now, in that, in that service, there was a, a, a merchant seaman from Holland and he'd been invited along, and he asked the guy who invited him along, how did that person know that language? And the guy who brought him along said, he didn't, he just spoke from the Holy Spirit. And the guy said, well, that's, that's amazing. And, and then he asked him, did he know the language? And he said, yes, it's, it's a dialect, it's idiomatic Turkish. And, and he said, well, what did he say? What did the, the man who spoke English say? Well, he said, he explained the meaning. He didn't translate it, he explained the meaning. And that, that merchant seaman went home, came back that night and gave his life to Jesus. That's how it's supposed to work. Okay? So that's what gift of tongues and interpretation is about. The gift of faith. The supernatural endowment by the Holy Spirit of a deposit of God's faith to bring past an event, a word spoken or purpose. It's like a supernatural supplement to your own faith because we all have our own faith, but this is like you know, an injection of steroids into your faith. And it, what it means is that you can sustain faith for a longer period of time, and, and, and that faith doesn't waver. It could be for something that takes a long time, like planting a church, for instance. That immediately springs to mind, which takes years and years and years to break through, and it needs a gift of faith. That's just one example. The gift of miracles. This is a supernatural intervention or suspension of the natural order of things. Acts of power initiated in a sudden and sovereign way by God beyond the understanding of human intelligence. We all sort of know what miracles are and there's many examples in the Bible of Jesus performing miracles. Number nine, the last one is gifts of healings. This involves impartation of healing by Holy Spirit to an individual which is then in turn passed on to someone else. You might recall the the story of Peter and John at the Gate Beautiful. Somebody came along to them and said, can you give me some money? And they said, we're pastors, we we don't have money. And uh, they said, but what what I do have, what I do have, I will give to you. So... In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. And he was. And, uh, and, and so that's a gift of healing. That's how it works. Under the New Testament, healing can come in a number of ways. That's why the, the verse actually says gifts of healings. So Jesus never healed anyone the same way twice. Sometimes he just, he just said, go and wash, 
put mud in this guy's eyes, different, different ways every time. So, based on all of that, I want you to ask yourself, what do I need to do about this? If the band could join me. What do I need to do about this? Do, have I operated a gift once in my life and it's never happened again? I'd say to you that that should be operative more often and consistently. Do you feel like you might have a gift but you're not sure? Maybe you feel like you have no idea what gift you have and you'd like to discover that. Maybe you would like prayer for an impartation of a particular gift. Let's stand together. We're just going to spend a few moments, a few devotional moments. The Apostle Paul was speaking to one of his protégés, a guy called Timothy, and he said, do not neglect your gift that was given to you by the laying on of hands and prophecy when the church elders lay their hands on you. He said, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. We're actually compelled to use our gifts. There's a compulsion intimated in this scripture that we are to use our gifts. And so that's my challenge to you this morning. And that might find, that might, you might find that a bit confronting. How do you do this? You be in the presence of God. You spend time in the reality that you want to reflect. That's the first thing you need to do. And whatever He gives you, give it away. If God gives you something, give it away. Because then He can give it to you again. If you're sitting on it, he's not, He wants you to distribute that before he, he gives you anything more. And finally, this whole thing takes surrender. It takes the surrender of our, of our hearts. What does that look like? Just quickly, as I was casting our, our Christmas production, I went up to a young lady and I, I asked her to, to play a part. And I was explaining to her what, what we were going to do and, and how we were going to do it this year. And before I finished, she said, whatever you're asking, yes. And she perfectly demonstrated surrender. I mean, I could have been asking her to vacuum the floors in between, in between nights. I was actually asking her to play a particular role, but she demonstrated surrender perfectly. Whatever you're asking, yes. So we come to God with that attitude. Whatever you're asking, God, yes. Whatever you want to give me, God, yes, I want it. I'm keen. I, I want to see this. I will pursue it. So let's just bow our heads. Close our eyes. We have to make a shift in our mindset from I'm out there Monday to Friday trying to survive to I'm an agent of God's kingdom and I've got these gifts at my disposal. Because there's so many things in our lives that it feels normal not to be able to do, we can just go, it's impossible. And sometimes we don't say it, but we behave it. We say, I just won't try too hard. I just won't move past the familiar. I'll stay right here. But this morning, this is a challenge to move beyond the familiar into uncharted waters, into something that might have happened once into something that's entirely new. 
So part of what I have to do is confront in me the willingness to realise that God has so much more for me than what I'm currently experiencing. Am I willing to pursue that? That's the question. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 